something just for the recording. Okay, <clears throat> where are we going this morning? I haven't really decided yet. You know, it's really funny. I came here and I'm thinking, I need, at some point this weekend, I need all the people in the church in one building. So I may have to do that tomorrow morning when all the, everybody's here. And we're going we're gonna to take a test. I'm going to give you guys a test. It's going to be wonderful. So in the meantime, because it's going to be on tape, everybody can get it if they want it. And we're going to teach. One of the things that we want to do this weekend, let's, let's give us your goals first. We, as, we t as Lawrence and I talk, the goal is for you to discover what's inside of you. That's, that's what you have to do. You have to find out what that is. So it's 1982. I have a lady pastor, which was a phenomenon because there was one point if a lady got up to teach, I'd walk out of the building. But now I've received revelation, and now I have a lady pastor. And uh, she asked me to come and teach, and so I came to teach. I don't remember what I taught. It was immaterial. And so I taught my lesson, and then I said, how many want prayer for this, whatever I was teaching? Can't remember what it was. And about 30 people came up. And so in those days, you, you have, everybody has culture. And so we lined them all up in a row, got 30 people across us. So I come to the first one, and I lay hands on them, and I pray for whatever, whatever we're praying about. We, I don't remember what it was. Pray for this, pray for this. And about that fourth one, I said, and, and I just sense that the Lord wants you to know. And I prophesied over the next 26 people. So when I, that Wednesday, I went to see my pastor, and I said, what would you think of the message? She says, not much. But she says, the ministry was amazing. And so, so if, I, I didn't know what a prophet was. It's 1982. I'm in my 40s, but been in ministry for a long time, years, you know, doing home groups. So I haven't had to have a church. Just do home groups and different things. So I discovered who I was by doing. Say doing. Say, say this. If I don't do, I'll never know. I could leave right now. You'd have, you'd, you'd, you'd have the message. If you don't do, you'll never know. And so, so pastors and other leaders, we spend all our time trying to get you to do so you can know. You know, there's, uh, there's two scriptures in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, 17, 18, 19, and Ephesians 3. And in both those passages, it talks about the knowledge of Jesus. It talks about the knowledge of Jesus. And that word knowledge is experiential knowledge. It's not knowing about Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. And the only way you can know Jesus is when you do something in the supernatural you cannot do by yourself. See, so, so you come to the situation. You're going to pray for a little girl, six years old. She's deaf. There's lots of stuff going on. I got a line of people about 30 years in here. And, and I take that little girl and I pray over her ears and her ears open up. Now, how many of you know I have discovered a part of Jesus I didn't know before? And now I know him. I know what his purpose is. I know how he acts in me. I know that with him in me, I can do things I can't do by myself. So that, and that's, called, that's the knowledge of Jesus. When it says knowledge, we're always talking about experiential knowledge, not book knowledge. It has to be experienced to have it for yourself. And so, so you're, you're discovering your giftings is the same thing. You have to utilize the gift, and then you say, oh, wow, look at that. 
So you have to do in order to have a, a, any gifting, you have to do for it to function. If, if you're not doing, it'll never, ever, ever function. I can teach you for 25 years. Until you do, you'll never know. You'll never discover. You'll, you'll have knowledge about it. I can prophesy over you. I can say to this person right here, listen, God's called you to be this. And well, you know what that means? It means absolutely nothing. It's an identification to this person, but it doesn't mean anything until you go do something that you can't do without Jesus. Then you say, oh, wow, look what, look what Jesus and I did. Um, we had a, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold that thought because I'm going to go sideways real quick. I had a Baptist minister I was ministering with. His name is G.V. Lewis. He's, he's in Atlanta now. And, and I was spending a lot of time with him. I invested a, probably $1,000 and 100 days going to take him out to lunch and going to see him. He lived in Broward. I drove, you know, the gas $4 a gallon. It, it, was, it would cost a lot to go to Broward and back. You know, it cost you $30, $40 every time I go up there, plus you take him out to eat. And I was doing this because he, he was a heavyweight in the Missionary Baptist Church system. Known all, in all, all the country, people knew who he was. He was one of the best growth guys they had, but he, he wasn't supernatural. So during our processing, he, he, he was in his, he had a home group, not a home group, he had a Bible study of older people, like 60 to 50 to 70 or whatever. And so there one day, and one of the ladies says, one of the ladies says, will you pray for my eyes? I'm having trouble with my eyes. Now, they don't pray for people in the Baptist church. But he says, okay, well, so he gathers some people up and they prayed for her. Well, her eyes didn't get fixed, but her back got healed. So he says, so I'm, I'm with him. We go to, in Jacksonville for another time of a meeting, one of his meetings. And I'm sitting there, and he's talking about this. He said, now, it wasn't me. It was all God. Well, that sounds good. That's VRG. Verbalized religious garbage. Okay? And he said, Norm, what do you think? He tells the whole story. He says, Norm, what do you think about that? I said, GV, when she asked you to pray for you, if you'd have said no, she wouldn't have got healed. Okay? What does that mean? See, God can do it by himself. How many sick people? Does anybody know anybody is sick? Okay, so then you have to answer the question, why doesn't God heal them? See, because they don't, he doesn't heal them. So obviously, obviously there's another quotient, and the quotient is we're supposed to go heal them. That's the quotient. So, so for healing, if you don't pray for them, they're not going to get healed, basically. Could God heal them? Yes. Is he going to? Supernaturally, he can do anything he wants He's not limited. I'm just telling you, normally he doesn't because his new system is we're going to show forth his glory through our ministry when we represent him to people. That's what, that's what this is all about. So because he wants us to do that, he's given us all gifts. So now we're going to have to discover what that is. So I know that you've studied the gifts individually. You've taught on the five-fold ministry. You've taught on the gifts out of uh, 1 Corinthians, right, the spiritual gifts that go with, with the Holy Spirit, right? And you also taught on the motivational gifts out of Romans. I'm going to teach the same lesson, but I'm going to teach you something different about them. Same scriptures, but I'm going to come from a different place. Now, I've had two months to think about this. So I, I said, how do I present this and give you a different look? So we're going to just start there. So turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. It's all familiar to you because he's taught this. I'm not going to teach on the individual giftings. That's not where I want to go. I want to go someplace else. I want to show you something else. 
We're going to to read 8, and then we're going to read the... What did you do with my glasses? Did you give them back? You lay them over here? I think I'll use these. I have to use these because these, these these are the best glass I've ever had, but I made a mistake. I love the frame so much that when I read with them, I can't see you. So I can't use them. I use these. So when I read, I can still see you. (laughs) Crazy, I know, but that's what it is. Okay, first verse 8. I'm going to read out of the Amplified. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He led a train of vanquished foes, and he bestowed gifts on men. Now that means that Jesus gave gifts to men. Say he gave gifts to men. Okay, then it's verse 11, and these gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. In the, everybody knows that in the Greek, pastor, teachers, there's no and between them. There's a fourfold ministry, a fivefold ministry. You can argue that another time. I'm not going to do it today. And verse 12, that it might develop until we all obtain oneness in the faith. Excuse me. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do, say do, the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. So that's, that's the basic scripture where we hear the fivefold ministry put together in one place. It also is the only place in Scripture you see a job description for the fivefold ministry. It tells us exactly what their job is. Now, I will tell you the truth. I've been in ministry since I got saved in 32. When I was 32, I'm 76. That's 44 years. Okay? I got filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 35. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost 30, 31 years, right? Is that right? Am I right? 41 years? 41 years. Yeah, a long time. And... Uh, and in all that time, I have never seen an evangelist operate in his office. Never. You know why? Because they don't understand that scripture. They don't understand it. So, so uh, evangelist normally comes. Remember years ago, the ministers came. A minister would come to town. He'd come for a week. And he'd do a week-long revival or whatever they, whatever they wanted to call it. That's what ministers, the ministers came. I'm talking about the 50s and 60s. The traveling minister came. He stayed a week or two weeks. If it was really excited and people were getting saved, three weeks or four weeks, they extended. Basically, though, that was, the, that was the, you had ministers that ran churches, and they had people that come to the church to be ministered to by the ministers, and then they had traveling ministers. Well, then when, when the fivefold ministry started to be brought back into the body of Christ in the 50s, the evangelists, in the 60s, the pastors, in the 70s, the teachers, in the 80s, the prophets, in the 90s, the apostles. As they started to come back and be revealed and have this new revelation, come out of the same old scriptures, by the way. It was always there. How do you know it was always there? But now the new revelation is being released to the body of Christ. Then it, then it started to change. But with the evangelist, has, I've never seen a real evangelist. I got a friend named Tom Scarella. He's a wonderful man of God. I love this guy. We ministered together several times, and, and he's the, he got the miracles, and you just the miracles that happened in his ministry. So he goes, and he takes a test. You know, one of these spiritual tests you're talking about? Remember when you talk about that? Uh, um, her name, I think the lady's name is Paula Price. I think that's who it was. Anyway, she says, look, Tom, just send it, 
I'm, take the test online and send it in. I'll, I'll copy I'm going to pay for it to send it in. I think it's like $60 a piece to take this test. So he takes the test, he sends it in, and now he sends his report back. And he says, she, she says to him, you are an evangelist evangelist, but you don't minister out of your office. You minister out of the gifts of the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, everything he does, all the miracles and stuff come out of his expression of the gifts of the Spirit out of, out of 1 Corinthians. So he's ministering out of 1 Corinthians. Anybody can minister out of 1 Corinthians. You don't have to be in a five-fold ministry to do that, right? So he's ministering out of that. He's having miracles and healing. Any spirit-filled Christian can have a miracle of ministry anytime they want. See, you don't, you don't have to have an office or a function. Okay, so, but what, then what was his function? And he said, he said, Norm. She, she said, I'm not using my office. She says, what does that mean? See, because nobody knows what the function of an evangelist is. And this is, this is one of the problems we have in the body of Christ. Now, according to the scripture, I'm using this as an example because this is where the, there's a misunderstanding. It's easy to see the contrast. The, the, the scripture says that the fivefold ministry is for the equipping, for the perfecting, and equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Well, as an evangelist... That means that my job then is to train you to win souls. And yet, in all the churches I go to, I've never seen a full-time evangelist in service. See, You know why? If this church grew to 500 people and you went to get an assistant, you wouldn't hire an evangelist. You'd get an assistant pastor, whatever that is. I'm serious. That's how we do it. Why? Because we're tied in cultural things, we don't read the scriptures. If I had another church, if I was 50 years old, I was doing things differently, my first person is going to be an evangelist. And everybody in my church is going to be taught evangelism. And if you wanted to do anything in the church, you had to be on the evangelist committee. You had to be working in evangelism, otherwise you couldn't do anything else in the church. Couldn't even be an usher unless you're an evangelist. And then everybody who would work as an evangelist, that would be their role. And our whole, only one program, do evangelism. Doesn't that make sense? Does that make sense to anybody besides me? See, why? Because that's what, how you expand the body of Christ. Remember, your purpose isn't to have church. <laughs> we are the church. Our purpose is to expand the kingdom. See, so, so you, you bring your purpose in. That's the evangelist's job. You should have a full-time evangelist on staff teaching, training, equipping. I got a whole program I wrote out for Ecuador. Never could get anybody to buy into it. Nobody will buy into it. I said, man, you don't need, get rid of all the stuff you're doing. So get rid of all that stuff and just do evangelism. You want to see growth in your church? Do evangelism. Does this make sense? Sure. Well, nobody wants to do that because they want, they, they're afraid to leave their cultural things. You know, Sunday morning you have church. Monday night you have prayer. Wednesday night you have midweek service. Friday night you have the youth service. Sunday you have service. Then, you know, and then, so they got their systems that they do. And then we have a men's group and we have a women's group. And nobody's doing evangelism. The reason for which we've been called. See, so, so, so I'm not chastising anybody individually. I'm trying to lay out a pattern for the gifts. So, so how do we know if we're an evangelist? How many, how many think you're an evangelist? You say, I don't know. What is it, who's, what's an evangelist look like? <laughs> See, you understand? So how would you ever find out? If you don't know what it looks like, how do you know if you're it or not? See, nobody ever finds out because nobody ever goes, does the work of evangelism. Remember, if you don't do, you'll never know. See, this is, this is 
This is just this is one, two, three stuff, man. First steps. So, so in all the giftings, in the five-fold ministry, it's the same way. So we just did a study at my church. Um, I had a guy I wanted to teach. I want Eddie to teach. So I said, I'm going to bring Eddie in, and I'm going to start dealing with him individually, and I'm going to sit down with him, and I'm going to teach him how to study and how to build lessons, and then I'm going to let him teach my church. And I said, well, if I'm going to do it for him, I might as well do it for everybody. So we put a class together. Ten or 12 people showed up. We ended up with about eight that stayed. And we took those through. And I got these eight people come through. You know how? I got five teachers out of it. Because they didn't know they could teach until they did. And when they did, they found out they were good at it. And we found out. We got a guy named George. Uh, he's a kind of a wild guy. And he's... He's untaught. But he come up there and he started, he had a teaching and he was the last one that taught. He come up there and he taught. And he taught, he taught on the fasted life. He said, we're supposed to fast the world. And he taught, I mean, he got everybody stirred up and I mean, we were ready to cut away everything in our life. And he, he convinced us in 20 minutes about walking, living the fasted life. I mean, this is, where did this guy come from? See, what did he come to that class? He, he, he's not educated. I, don't, I always said, do you need help with your outline? He says, no, I think I've got it. And he got up there, and my wife looked at me, and I looked at him and said, where in the world? He's a hidden. It's, his gifting was hidden. See, it was hidden. And so just because I had this little teaching class, I got five new teachers. You know what my problem is now? Got to find a place for them to teach. So now I've got I've to start scheduling them in at least once a month. If it's once a month, it'll be five months for some of them to teach. They got to teach. We got to have a place for them to You can't give someone... You tell them who they are and train them to do something, and you got to have a place for them to do it. If you're not going to let them do it, don't train them. So, so I gotta, I've got a responsibility as the leader to, cre to create a place for them. Now, i got a mentor of almost 30 years. I love this man dearly. He is the, one of the best prophetic voices in my life for th almost 30 years. And I was talking to him about equipping the saints. He said, it's not my job to find places for them to minister. And I thought... You're stuck in time. You're stuck back in the old culture. So you, 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 you got to, when God brings new revelation, you got to grab the new revelation. And the new revelation is the leader's responsibility is for, let's say, Casey, right? So I want to find a, I come here. If I was here for 10 weeks, then I'd say, okay, I got I to gotta find out who Casey is. I got to identify in him what it is. Then I got to place him so he identifies it. And then I got to find a place for him to function. See, that's my responsibility, Lawrence's responsibility. That's why, and he wants to do that. That's why I'm here to bring this, to open this up so you start looking at these things differently than you've ever looked at them before. That you embrace the idea that I've got to do something or nothing happens. It's not about knowing something, it's about doing something. Eventually. And so, so you have to find out who, what, what works in you. What's in, what's in there? And I found out that day I taught. Now, I didn't recognize it then. That I was prophetic. I mean, this is, this is 82. In 85, I have my own church now. I've been pastoring a year. A friend of mine says, Norm, you know, there's a prophet up in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, which is way over by Pensacola. I said, what do you mean a prophet? He said, yeah, a prophet. I said, a real prophet, Frank? He said, yeah, no, I'm a real prophet. It's a Monday afternoon. I said, what do you mean a real prophet? He said, yeah, it's a real prophet. On Wednesday, I was in Fort Walton Beach. 
because that's how I am. If there's a prophet in the land, I want to know who he is. I had to call up there and beg them. I didn't beg, beg, and I didn't plead my case. But I said, listen, I can get there and I can eat. Can you find me a place to stay? They found me one of those mansions down on the Gulf Coast. Man, I stayed in this. I mean, it was better than a five-star hotel. I just got to sleep. I didn't really associate with the people because I was going to this thing. So Wednesday night, we go to the meeting. I meet Dr. Bill Hammond. Changed my life forever. See, what, what did I find out? He said, I want all the ministers to come up front. Okay, so I get up front. We're in a circle. Six or seven of us in a circle. He said, we're going to pray, and you're going to get a word of knowledge for healing for someone in your circle. I started to sweat. Oh, God, oh, God. God, please don't embarrass me. Please don't embarrass me. Please give me something for someone. And here I am. I'm pleading my case before God, right? I mean, I am terrified. Terrified. But what am I doing? I'm doing. I'm doing. And all of a sudden, I hear something. I said, um, I just heard that someone here has this problem. The guy says, that's me. I went, shoo. And we prayed for him, and he got healed. I mean, I am sold out to prophetic ministry. I came alive in me. See, I came alive in me. Just, it was all of a sudden I knew. It wasn't teaching. It was, I knew. It was in there somewhere. There's something that would connect with God and I could function out of that thing. Now, I'm not big in word of knowledge. I know most of you know Hank House. We were in, we were in Ecuador in 2008. Walked into a building that holds 1,000 people. We had 1,200 in there. He says, we're going to do words of knowledge. I said, there's too much activity. I don't think we're going to do words of knowledge. I walked up on that stage, and I looked at all those 1,200 people. I said, Hank, get ready. And I started, to, I started just to introduce what we're going to do. I said, come up here, Hank. And we called out words of knowledge, and 400 people stood up, and 200 of them got healed with two prayers just like that. How, how come? Because way back there in 1985, I got in that circle, and I found out I could do. See, it's doing. If you're not doing it, it doesn't mean anything to you or to God. The most gifted person who's not doing is, I don't say worthless, but you're not functioning. And you're called to function. You're called to function. That We're called to do for God. He died for us, we're going to do for Him. My life's not my own, I'm bought with a price. I belong to Him, what do you want me to do? What, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? What a way to live. What a way to live. And it changes everything about, it changes your, your, your focus for your life. It changes your, um, it doesn't change, you know, you can still be a doctor, see? But what it does is you start to rely on the, your gifting and your anointing in the doctor's office. See? He was telling me the story this last week. He, was, he went inside and there's a guy laying there and he laid his hand in his stomach and bam, he starts to prophesy. Got a guy laying out there. The guy starts to weep. How do you know this? How do you know this? You don't even know who I am. And God told me. See, he said, wow, change, change a person. A prophetic word will change a person's life. There's just as much power in a prophetic word as there is in a word for healing. See, that's why the prophetic is so important. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say this. If you could prophesy, I'd know the will of God for my life. <laughs> now, Jesus chooses... Galatians 1.1, Paul says, I'm an apostle chosen by Jesus Christ. Jesus chooses who he's going to make the five-fold ministry. 
not everybody's a five-fold ministry person. You don't have a function. Func they call them offices, but it's really functions. So you can have, see, we have a, we have a concept that's still old-fashioned. How many apostles are there in this church? What's the answer? The answer is we don't know because we got people who don't know who they are. See, if you got a 1,000 people, how many prophets have you got? How many apostles have you got? How many evangelists? Nobody knows because nobody finds out. Nobody's, nobody's geared for finding out so people can operate in their function. Just talking about five-fold ministry, not talking about regular people. Regular people, by the way, are, you ready for this? Write this down. You, you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, by the way, you're missing a good opportunity. See, if you're not taking notes, you really didn't come to learn exactly everything you need to know. You should take notes. Okay, but here's the rule. Here's the rule. Ready? What was I going to say? Tell me what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. The, I, t I went sideways. Now I lost what I was going to say. Hold that thought. I'm coming back to you. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so we, we got the five full ministry people coming in. They learn who they are. Oh, I got it. Here's what we got. Write this down. Okay, here I go. So I, I went sideways. A spirit, any spirit-filled Christian filled with the Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, knowing how they operate in the gifts, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. I want you to get this because you're taking notes. I want you to have Okay. Now listen to this. That person, if they push into Jesus, if they push into the Spirit, will have a greater ministry than 90% of the pastors and leaders in this country. See, we think you have to have a miracle ministry or something. You have to have an office. You have to be an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor. The answer is it's got nothing to do with this. Our job is to train you to function prophetically, apostolically, evangelistically, pastorally, and have ability to teach the, the word. That's the job of the fivefold ministry, according to Ephesians chapter 12, 4, chapter 12, verse 12. So, so that's the jo our job. So you guys have the ability then to do, now listen, you have the ability to do everything we do. Everything we can teach you, you have the ability to do. It takes five to teach you. One person can't do it. You've got to have a five-fold ministry. He wants prophetic ministry. He brings me in. That's what I do. You know, this is all I do. All I do is teach and train people to be supernatural. That's all I do. I'm really, really good at it. If you went with me for six months, your life would be totally transformed. I'm serious. You'd, you'd walk into a place. You'd look around. You'd see what the spirit is. You'd see what the problem is. And you'd deal with it. You'd look at the people. You'd know what they need. And you'd deal with it. If they need healing, you could pray for them, and you could teach them to pray for them. Walk into a church, 500 people. I teach on healing the first. I teach on supernatural ministry the first day. Get everybody filled with the Holy Ghost. The next night I come in, I teach on healing. I bring people. That have, I was in a church with 250 people, never prayed for the sick in 10 years. Pastor, never prayed for the sick. Nobody prayed for the sick in 10 years. And I was there, and 30 minutes after I finished teaching, they were healing the sick. And I used the translator to do it. Oh, yeah. Why? Because it's so easy. In Spanish, we say, fasti, fasti, fasti. Easy, easy, easy. It's so easy to heal the sick that if you don't have a healing ministry, you miss something. Because it's so easy. It's the easiest thing in the world. All you have to do, say do, is pray for the sick. Oh, golly, it's so easy. <laughs> it's so easy. 
And so, so we don't have healing ministries because nobody's doing healing ministries. That's the only reason why, because God wants to heal everybody. See, he wants everybody healed. How do I know he wants everybody healed? That's why he went to the cross. <laughs> you know, it's just really, I'm giving you basic stuff, but I'm connecting dots for you. So, so you can, the spirit-filled Christian who's not afraid to step forth in his giftings. Now, we're talking about giftings now. We're not talking about the office function. They can, they'll have a great ministry. So my friend Tom, he's goes, he goes all over the world, and every place he goes, people are raised from the dead, blind eyes open, everything. He's got every, he operates only out of the gifts of the Spirit. And any spirit-filled Christian can do that. You know, he does not operate out of his office. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't know how to operate in his office, but I know that he doesn't understand that connection. He thought he was doing the work of evangelist. The evangelist teaches people how to win souls. That's what he does. And we don't, have, we don't do that. I don't even know where you'd go find an evangelist to come in and do that. I'm serious. I don't know. I, you think somewhere we'd have an evangelist that was doing that. And all the body of Christ, I don't know now, I don't know everybody. I'm sure there's some place they're doing that. But because I gotta believe that God's purposes won't go unfulfilled. But there's 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 this thing, there's this lack of understanding. If I can just get the people to do, it'll happen automatically. So we take Langston with us to Ecuador. Come on, Langston, we're gonna pray for the sick. So Langston goes to Ecuador, we put him up, pray for the sick. He prays for the sick. You know what happened? <clears throat> the sick got healed. Was right? How two minutes, right? Go over and pray for that person. If you ever watched Heidi Baker, she brings those kids. This is, this is a leadership principle. She goes to the dump and she finds a blind kid. Prays for a blind kid, receives a sight. She takes him by the hand. She takes him home. She gives him a bath because they're filthy dirty. They've been living in the dump, right? She gives him a bath. She gives him clean clothes. Okay, come on, Johnny. Takes Johnny by the hand. This is Susie. Pray for Susie. Say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Go Satan. Go Satan. Susie gets healed. Take Susie by the hand. They take her back to camp. They wash all the grime off of her. Put her in a set of clothes. And she goes back. Takes both Johnny and Susie. They go back to the dump. They find Tim. See? And, they, and she's got 400 kids that were maimed. They were out in the dump because they're parents threw them away because they had problems. They were deformed or they couldn't, they were blind or whatever happened to them. And they just go and they pray for them and get them healed and, and put them right into evangelism. Right into the power ministry. You know who else did that? Who? Thank you so much. That's what Jesus did. Come on guys. He went out. He demonstrated healing. He laid hands on them and gave them his anointing because they weren't saved. They couldn't have their own anointing yet. He said, sends them out. They come back and said, wow, even the devils have to flee in your name. Wow. First thing he did, he taught them power evangelism. Why? I don't have time to teach that. Maybe I'll get to that tonight. Save the, ask me some later tonight. Maybe I'll get there. Don't have time to teach everything. Wow. Okay, now, with the five-fold ministry is not an office but a function now, God will, can, and will change your function. In other words, in other words, I was a prophet of God before I knew I was a prophet of God. I knew I was a prophet. Now, remember, at 85, I meet the prophet. 
I started teaching, training, equipping myself, going to conferences, reading all the books. Do, 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 do. I start, I've, two years, 99 and 2000, I'm in Jacksonville with uh, Prophet Randy Leshner. I was on his group. We had four schools, Waycross, Georgia, um, Alamante Springs in Orlando, Miami, and, of course, Jacksonville. We had these four schools, and we did a circuit. I did it for two years. Did you know that at, at the end of that two years, I called myself a prophet? Now, it's 2000. 2001, I go back to Miami as a prophet. I heard about prophets in 85. I ministered prophetically in 82. Now it's 15 years later. Now I know I'm going to call myself a prophet. And I start, see, it's a long time, isn't it? Long time discovering. Because, because I didn't, I would think like a prophet, but I didn't, nobody could tell me exactly what that was. Even with all my teaching, training, equipping, it was for ministry more than it was understanding. I got more understanding after I functioned as a prophet than I did before. Why? Because when you do, you learn. When I called myself a prophet and ministered as a prophet and taught prophetic things, my, I just, it just increased so much. Okay. Then in 2008, when I went back to Ecuador, I went to Ecuador in 2005 every month. I was here in 2005 in this building, one, two, and three doing prophetic ministry. Let's give you an idea, okay? But in 2008, when I went back, I went back. I, I didn't go back as a prophet, though. I went back with an apostolic. I was an I was a apostolic prophet. I went back as a, as a, for a purpose, and we literally opened up all of Ecuador, which is a small country, by the way. It's not a big country. Small country for the prophetic and the healing ministries. We had we had a big part of that. And uh, it, was, it was really wonderful what happened in Ecuador over those, over those times. So I started to minister more prophetically. Okay, now when I go back, I go back as, an, I go back as a prophetic apostle. Okay, so I, I'm here today. I, I'm functioning as a prophet this weekend, but really right now my role in the body of Christ is apostolic. apostolic I'm really an apostolic father is what I am now. I'm an apostle with a fathering spirit. The fathering spirit, let me tell you about the fathering spirit. And this isn't a, this is not a criticism or this is, this is what this is how I see the, the that's his father in spirit. Okay. My family is no longer my immediate family. My family is the body. In other words, an apostle like yourself, Lawrence, would care just as much about Tim as you do about your daughter. Now this is hard because it requires a total shift of focus and understanding of what God's called you to be and do. If you have to have an expansion of the Father's heart. So I went to a meeting up there in uh, 2012. I went to a meeting in Boston. And out of that meeting, two men came to me and said, we want you to be my apostolic father. I didn't even know how to do that. Now, I have an apostolic father, which helps. So I just treated them like he was treating me. Right? What he did to me, I did to them. See, now I, have, I, have, I got two people in Ecuador that call me an apostolic father. So that with the people, I got one in, in St. Petersburg now that's looking to me for apostolic oversight, even though he doesn't recognize it. I know what he wants me to do. I don't know what he calls me to do. So he, I recognize it, and he doesn't recognize it yet, and we don't have to discuss it. I just need to function. So, so what does that mean? That means I'm going to change my focus from seeing far off, up close, which is what prophets do. A prophet will come in, he'll say to you, da-da-da-da-da, which I did five years ago. I told you what God wanted to do in your life, but there was no time frame on it. A prophet sees everything close. See, it might still be five year, more years before you're walking when I prophesied to you five years ago. 
See, but we don't have prophetic understanding because we don't get enough teaching from the prophetic. We need to have, you need four times a year, you really need to push that so everybody keeps that understanding going. And uh, it helps it for people to understand how the prophetic word works. So I used to, now I see things differently. When I see things now apostolically, I see them with steps. We got to do this, then we got to do this, then we got to do this, then we got to do this. See, that's how an apostle sees things. He's a builder. The, the prophet sees everything now. It's all now. See? So when I see your gifting, it's a now thing, even though it might be two years before you're going to walk in. You have to have that understanding about things. Now, he's always more ready than you are anyway. You got to start. You got to start doing. Okay, so don't, don't, I'm, not, I'm not letting you off the hook in that. You got to start doing. Okay. Now, the job description, the basic job description is uh, threefold. Number one is perfecting. The Amplified says perfecting and equipping. <clears throat> perfecting means this. <clears throat> Who's anybody here a mechanic? Who does mechanic work? Anybody? We got one. One mechanic. Wow. I don't know what the rest of you do with your problems. <laughs> I have to hire one, by the way. But anyway, let's say you come to a little job, and what you need is a Phillips head screwdriver. So you go to your drawer, and you pull it out, and you got long ones, short ones, fat ones, little ones, flathead screwdrivers. As wonderful as they are, brand new, never been used, how many know they're not perfect for the job? And you go down the bottom drawer, and you find this old, worn-out Phillips head. An old, worn-out Phillips head, when you need a Phillips head screwdriver, is way better than a flathead screwdriver. You understand what I'm saying? So that, that Phillips head then becomes perfect for the job. So our job is to perfect you. The five-fold ministry job is to perfect you for the work of the ministry, to make you perfect for the things you're called to do. Now, how do we do that? We make you discover what's on the inside of you. God made you something, and you need to find out what that something is so you can function in it. And not everybody's going to function in the same thing. You're not supposed to all function in the same thing. Although, when you read through the gifts of the Spirit, it's it bleeds. It bleeds in and out. So, so you perfect it by making you able to do what you are called to do. That's how we perfect. But the word equipping is different. See, in the, in the King James, it just says perfecting. And it's not enough. You go to the Amplified, and it says perfecting and equipping. Why? Because equipping is part of the Greek word. And here's, listen, you, this is, write this down. This is something new. You want something new? No one knows this. This is something nobody else knows. You're going to know something. Nobody else knows. You can have it down. You got it, okay? Equipping means this. Equipping means to create in you a capacity for ministry. That's what equipping means. To create in you a capacity for ministry. Now, let me give you an example of that. Gary, I was up here in, it's been two years, this February will be two years. I came up two years ago in February, and I came, and I came to go to, uh, do you know Joe Avalado? Am I saying that right? Huh? Yeah, it's anyway. Anyway, he's, a, he's, got, he's got seven churches here in this area. I think one or two in Tifton. He's got one in Moultrie. He's got one out in, I don't know whatever. I came up and I did, listen, you ready? In two days, I did seven meetings in five churches in three cities and prophesied over 200 people. It was wild. It was wild. So I took Gary with me. Now, Gary, I've known Gary for over 30 years. I, my wife, I, I prophesied more over him at his wedding. Okay, that's how long I've known him. Okay. 
I've known him 30 years, okay? So, so I come up there, I said, he said, come on, go with us. So I got another guy with me who knows how to prophesy over anything that moves, Jake. Jake, so Jake knows how to prophesy over anything. But he's, he's very, very prophetic. But he goes with me, and we went to all those cities, and he come down, here's what he said. He said, I have been prophetic all my ministry life. He said, I have never, ever, ever did what we did this weekend. Because you look out there, and you got a line of 20 people. And you have to perform. You have to be able to do. And so I created in him a greater capacity for ministry. I had a girl named Tiffany. She didn't go to my church, but she came to my workshops. I said, Tiffany, why don't you go to, why don't you go to Ecuador with me sometime? No, I said, I'm not going to Ecuador with you. So well, you're welcome to go if you want to go. So I did an activation. How many of you like to do a prophetic activation? You want to do a prophetic activation? Okay, close your eyes. Okay, I'll wait till you take your sip. Every close your eyes. Ask God what kind of a game he wants to play with you. Ask Jesus what kind of a game he wants to play with you. Okay. Now see yourself playing the game. Now, ask God why he wants to play that game with you. Okay, look at me. How many heard, heard God gave you a game? How many got a game from God? Okay, what was your game? Dominoes. Dominoes, okay. What, okay. And, and did you play with him? Did you win? You didn't finish the game? Okay, why do you want to, why do you want to play dominoes with you? Did he tell you? That's okay, okay. What about you? What game? Uh, hopscotch. Hopscotch? Okay. And did you play? Okay. And what, why do you want to play hopscotch with you? Okay, good. Who else had one? Okay, sir? Okay. That, we get that a lot, by the way. Oh, good, good, good. Did you have one? Did you have one? What? what? Hide and seek. Okay. And what did, you, what did you play? Were you hiding or was he hiding? Okay, did he find you? Yes. Okay, and what did he, why do you want to play that? Because it, it was a team. There were more of us, and he had me playing with other folks and engaging. Okay, good. Good. Uh, Ma'am, you. Okay, and did you play? Okay, did you all fall down? <laughs> okay, and, and, and why? Okay, good, okay. I, the, the first time I did this, by the way, I learned this in... in uh, I taught activation. I taught activation for thousands of people. This was, I learned this in 2011 in uh, Quito and uh, from somebody from L.A. That's how the things work, right? And uh, I, I, I said, he wants to play soccer with me. Now, I hate soccer, but I played soccer. So anyway, I played soccer. And so Jesus was there, and I kicked the ball over here, and he transported himself. Boom! And inside of me, this is inside of me, this thing rose up and said, that's not fair. <laughs> and you know what he told me? He said, Norm, use all the gifts I've given you. Oh, come on. Come on. See, see there's, there's things I'm not using that I need to use. What does that look like? I don't know. I haven't used them yet. So, so, so you know, so I, I was really thinking. Okay, one, close your eyes again. And this is the one where Tiffany got involved. Close your eyes one more time. Ask God where he wants you to go. Now, ask him, why do you want me to go there?
Okay, open your eyes. Who, 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 did God tell you anybody anything? Where? Okay, sir. Good. Bill. Okay, good. What? China. China? Okay, good. That's good. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question. We're going to stop. Hold that, hold that thought. I'm coming back to Tiffany. Are you going to plan that trip? See, see, see this, is, this is what happens. When you hear from God, he has a responsibility. He's got, here's when you get the prophetic. Here's how you handle the prophetic. You have a right to say that's not God. That's not God. Norm, you told me that. That's not God. If you're willing to say that, that's fine. But if you're not willing to say that, you say that is God, then now you've got to deal with the issue. Okay, Lord, I heard you. I'm going to be obedient. I heard you. I'm still not going to do it. I'm going to be disobedient. Yes, I heard you. I'm going to do half of it. You get, you, see, you, you're, you're, you, when you start to deal with God, he's going to take you to truth. And you're going to find out, does he really own you? Can he tell you where to go and you'll go? See, so you got to plan that trip. See, that's the trip that he's got a plan now. God's got a purpose for him going to China. He wouldn't have told him China. So I said to Tiffany, I said, Tiffany, she said, she's not going to Ecuador, but she had this trip. I said, I said, who heard something? She raised her hand and said, Tiffany, who, what did God say? And he, she said, he told me to go to Ecuador. So she goes to Ecuador with me. We go to a church. We do three nights of teaching there, three nights of ministry. On the last night, we're going to prophesy over 250 people, and I'm setting up teams. Now, you set up teams, you always have to have one that can translate because nobody speaks English, right? So we got to translate. But Tiffany said, Tiffany, you've got to go by yourself because you speak Spanish. She said, I, wanna, I, can't, I can't go by myself. You know, you know, I can't do this, you know? I said, you got to go. I made her go. Why did I make her go? Because I'm a boss, and I get over there and do your thing. Okay, and I made her go. I'm a pusher. See, see, that's why if you went with me, I will push you to do things you'd never do on your own. And then you discover how easy it is, and then it'll be easy for you. I push everybody. I place everybody. I push them. I'm a pusher. I demand, put a demand in you to perform. That's fair. If you're going to go in with me, you got, if you're not ready, don't go with me. But if you want to go with me, boy, you'll, you'll learn something. So I okay, so I put her out there. She got 35 people in the line. She says, oh, Lord, give me a, a word for this woman. He says, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, Lord, thank you for giving me a word. And she looked out there, and she saw that line, and she said, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. I've got to prophesy, man. And here's what happened. She said she was mad at me, but she said this. As I started to minister, I got delivered. All kind of things. All the anger left. All, the, all her snafus in her mind. Her mind became clear. She got totally delivered. And she ministered to 35 people in a row. Bam, 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 bam. And what I did, I created in her a capacity for ministry. Now I can take Tiffany any place in the world. See, this is, this is, this is how this works. So you have, to create, you have to create a place for the people that are going to be prophetic to function or they won't function. You've got to have a place to function. See, we, st we stopped doing workshops in my, in my church. And my people started to back up a little bit. So now I got new teachers. Now I got to create another workshop, right? Bring them all the way back in there. Let the teachers teach. I'll tell them what to teach. Teach this. And then I'm going to have everybody get activated again and sharpen, sharpen their edges. 
so they'll be able to prophesy every place they go. You've got to be active. See? And every, everybody will back up. If I'm not careful, if I stay home for a week because I don't go anywhere because i got no place to go in particular, you know, I'll stop. I don't prophesy over people. I don't see anybody. I prophesy over my wife, and how, you know, that gets old after a while. And, uh, and so, so, you, so you, but uh, where was I? Uh, oh, I was in a, I was in, I was in a, I was in, come on, Norm, where'd you go Thursday night? We weren't in Applebee's. That was last night. We were in Ruby Tuesdays. And two people come in. Two people come in, New Hank and Margaret. And I turned to that lady and I said, you know, the Lord says you're wasting your prophetic ministry. And I started going, doom, 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 doom. So I told her all about her, what God wanted her to do. And she says, well, I'm in transition. You know what that means? I'm not doing anything. I know, see, I know it all. The, see, I, said, you need to, I said, you need to go find, you need to go over, for nothing else, go, go with, because Hank's standing. You go with Hank. If you go with Hank, he'll open up your prophetic ministry for you. That's what they do out there. You don't go there. So, so anyway, but then I said, and then my wife says, what about Mama? You got something for Mama? I said, Mama. See, now I got nothing for Mama. See, but I trust the, I know who I am. I trust the gifting. So I said, I said, Mama. She said, yes. I said, you, you got a son? I said, you got a son? She said, I got two sons. I said, the oldest one. You don't have to worry about him anymore. God said, it's got it under control. She starts to get all teary-eyed over it. See? Why? Because she's got a son that's out there. See? And God says, I'm bringing him back. Don't worry. Six months from now, it'll be changed. See? So, so what the, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing anything. You know what I mean? I'm not really, I mean, for me to, to do this, it's easy because I'm engaged. You know what I mean? It's not because I'm a prophet. I'm not operating in a prophetic ministry. I'm, I mean, I'm operating prophetic ministry. I'm not operating in my office. I'm just prophesying. And who what? Any spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian can prophesy. You all can do this. And it's just as easy. And you go in the restaurant. We're going, to the, we're going down through the, yeah, we're going to um, Missouri. We're going to Missouri. My wife's in a wheelchair behind me. And uh, I'm up front, and I show my ticket, and I go through. My wife, she comes, and she shows her ticket, and she says to the attendant, God wants you to know, da-da-da-da-da. And then we take off, we go, we keep on going. And all of a sudden, we just, you know, you get in those tunnels, you go down to the plane, kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. And here he comes. I don't know what happened back there at the station. He left the station. And he runs up there and he says, I believe in God. Tell me again what he said. He's talking about impacting somebody. Change their life in just a heartbeat. Simple prophetic word. We're just passing through. Never going to see the guy again. Speaking for God. This is, this is, listen, this is so easy. I wish I could just open up your heads and put easy, easy, easy. Fill your heart with easy. It's so easy to prophesy. Because why? Because you're, you're made for it. So you're made for it. You made you that way, which we'll get into when we get into the gifts this week. So, so the, 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 the perfecting and the equipping has to be done. So the, my job is to, if I was going to come to teach a prophetic school, I went into a church with 500 people on Sunday morning in Ecuador. Okay, I got a translator who speaks English. The pastor spoke some English. And nobody else speaks English, and nobody else is filled with the Holy Ghost, except maybe three or four people on Sunday morning. We get everybody, get everybody filled with the Holy Ghost. I teach Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday morning, I got, now I could have had more, but Saturday morning, a lot of people didn't come. I got 72 people in circles of six, and I'd say, number one to number three, and number one would prophesy to number three, number two to number six, number two, and I mean, as fast as I could go, they'd prophesy in five days, 
in a church where we, when I started, nobody was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, there's two reasons that happened. Number one, I'm really good at what I do. But the real reason is, that's what God wants, and it's so easy. So we, I had 26 people in Quito. They'd go with me anywhere. We went out, I, went, I did two churches a week when I went out. They'd go three days here, three days there. They'd go with me anywhere. Travel with me anywhere. By bus. They'd go get bus. They, two buses and a cab one time to get to a place they couldn't get home from. Ah, I love this stuff. From 12 to 60. Come on, you. You prophesy? No. I don't know how to prophesy. Come here. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to prophesy. Then I'm going to say, do you have anything? If you have anything, you give it. If you don't, you say, I don't have anything. There's no pressure in that. Prophesied over. Everybody I prophesied over, she prophesied over. Twelve years old. This is so easy. And so, so, it, so the, 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 the issue then is, how do I get you to be equipped so you can go anywhere in the world and prophesy? That's my job as a prophet, is to make you prophetic. To uh, teach you how to hear the voice and understand what you're hearing. So I got Cheryl. Cheryl's in my church now. She's I can take her anywhere in the world. Her husband is one of my elders and, and also one of my uh, ordained ministers. We go through the school for 11 weeks. Then she starts to cry. I don't hear anything. I, I said, Cheryl, it's impossible. It's impossible that you can't hear anything. I don't want to hear that. Don't, you're made to hear. Don't tell me you can't hear well, I can't hear. So for the week 11, week 12, week 13, she's crying every week. She can't hear nothing. I said, it's impossible. I got mad. It's impossible. You got to be able to hear something. So she go, So that weekend, her, they went to a different church because they were, live abroad. The pastor was out of town, and Bob had the service. So he decides, because he's had 12 weeks of training, he's going to do prophetic ministry after the teaching. Pastor's gone. We'll do prophetic. They believe in it, but they're not doing nothing. How do you know they weren't doing nothing? Pastor's not very prophetic. So he goes ahead and he says, we're going to do the prophetic ministry. He's got his wife up there. She props over 14 people in a row. She come back and said, I got it. <laughs> she was hearing all along, but she thought it was her, not God. Wow. I heard Dr. Bill Hammond. He's in a church with 2,000 people. And he had the first row prophesied of the second row and the third row prophesied of the fourth row back in two, you know. And then the guy said, how many didn't hear anything? And about 50 or 75 people raised their hand. He said, okay, tell your partner what you would have told him if you'd have got something. <laughs> it is so easy to prophesy. It is so easy to prophesy. So, so there's, there's, the only excuse we have for not prophesying is that we've not been trained or we don't want to. And how I many neither one fly with God? See? Because I have some places I have to say, if you're not being trained prophetically where you're at, you got to go someplace else. Now, am I willing to do that? Yes, I am. Because it's the path, this, this responsibility of this church to train the prophetic people. And if this church won't do it, then i got to say, you need to, you got to be trained prophetically whether your pastor will do it or not. Is that fair? Mm, some of you are not too sure about that. I'm just telling you it's fair. Lawrence agrees it's fair. Because we have to, it's his job to equip you, and he brings other people in to equip for the things he's not equipped for. Understanding that, it's hard for most pastors. I can teach them everything they need to know. No, then they'll only know what you know. You don't know enough. You're one, if God wanted one person to take his place, he'd had one full ministry instead of a five-fold ministry. There's five because, see, he took his mantle and he tore it in five pieces and said, here, you're a prophet, here, you're a teacher, here, you're, he did that so that we'd have a group of people 
a team of people that could perfect you so you could represent Jesus completely and fully. That's your job. You walk into someone else's life, some of you are going to see somebody this afternoon. When you meet that person, it's your job to heal them, to prophesy over them, to give them counsel, to, to lead them to the Lord, give them filled with the Holy Ghost, whatever their need is. If you're going to represent Jesus, that's what you have to do. Amen. And if you're not going to do that, then you're not going to represent him. Who are you going to represent? Yourself and your own failings, your own weaknesses, your own personality and all that stuff. Listen, we all been there and done that. And there's days when I know I'm supposed to prophesy over somebody and I don't do it. And I catch heck from God the same way you will. He'll say, you didn't pray for that person. I know, I know. I was busy. And you know, you know he says, you know, he don't say anything because it's VRG, verbalized religious garbage. I didn't have time. I didn't have time to represent you. That sounds stupid when you say it out loud. <laughs> you know what I mean? You say it out loud, it's stupid. But we don't say it out loud. We hide that. We, we, we hide that under our own anxiety and our own fear and our own, un, our own unwillingness to be rejected because you'll get rejected. So I prayed, wanted to say, can I pray for you? And someone told me no. About ten times in all my life, almost everybody wants prayer. You know, when you pray by faith, you learn to just, I said to you, what do you want prayer for? You tell me what you want prayer for, and I pray by faith. Okay, but we went to, a, we went to this workshop. That's a, it's a long story. You don't even know about that. We went to this group, and we got a bunch of Haitian Catholics that wanted, they wanted, so we're there to pray for this group of people. We don't know anybody. It, was a, it, was a, it wasn't even, it wasn't a religious group. It was a different group. We're gonna, but we put a prayer team there. So we're going to pray for these people. And I'd say, what do you want prayer for? And they say, oh, I don't know. Just ask God. What, and I found out something. As soon as they told me to pray, bam, word of knowledge and word of wisdom kicked in big time. And I had been operating without that. I operated it differently. I'd operated in my prophetic words, but, but, but all of a sudden I started, I heard all kind of stuff. And I'd pray what I heard and I'd pray for these people and said, wow, that's exactly what I needed. And it's amazing how God, and we had to go back to a different place because we, we, don't, we don't hardly deal with people that are in our circle. You, you know what I mean? We go a place to pray for the sick. We pray for all the sick people. But we say, what's wrong? Well, I got cancer. I got this. I got that. But they said, we don't, you pray whatever you want to pray. And then I had to ask God. And God was so, spoke so clear over and over and over. It was amazing. And I just hadn't used that portion uh, for a while. And I, I was shocked at how clear he was. And I'd pr pray the things I heard. And they said, man, that's exactly what I needed. Wow, you did this. You, I'm thinking, God, you're so neat. It just, it just works when you're equipped, when you've been equipped to have a capacity for ministry. See, We went out, we went out three of us, me, Jake, and, and Gary ministered to those. T t people were chasing us from the building out to the truck. We prophesied all the way, because we had to leave, because we had to go to the next church. And we prophesied all the way out. We'd get in the truck, and he'd prophesy over the last one, and I'd roll the window up, and away we'd go, you know. And, uh, and uh, I was exhausted at the end of the two days, but I held up amazingly well. So we did seven meetings in, three, in, in five churches in three cities. It was a, a marathon. It was wonderful. We had a, with, a, with a translator the whole way. Oh, yeah. Nothing's easy in the ministry, right? Okay, now. <clears throat> Equipping is not teaching. I got people that think because they teach their body, they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing. And teaching is necessary because people have to know what the scriptures say 
so they can release their faith fully. You need to know what the scriptures say because everything we do, I know it's when I pray for the sick, I do it because I know about the blood that was shed at the cross. See, he shed our blood for our healing. See, therefore, I know they're going to get healed. In fact, God already sees them healed. All I'm doing is facilitate what he sees and bring it into being. See, that, that's, how, that's how healing works. So, so uh, because I know the scripture, I have complete faith when I really, I'm not, I'm not doing my own strength. God wants them healed. I want them healed. I pray for them to get healed. I expect God to heal them. Does he heal them all? The answer is no. But he heals a lot more of them than you think. So here's what I started to do. I started to say, you know, we're getting about 85% of these people healed. Get 100 people need healing, 85 get healed. Approximately. And the Lord says, how come you keep limiting, limiting me to 85%? See, see so you, what happens is you start to set up a, a limitation based on your experience, and you stop praying according to the word. You start praying according to Easy to do. Easy to do. See? But I just know I can go to any church. If they got 300 people to be prayed for, about 45 of them aren't going to get healed, and everybody else is going to get healed. Doesn't matter what they got wrong with them. What they got wrong with them is immaterial. God wants them all healed. And they all don't get healed. There's a tension. Now listen to this. There's a tension between everybody's healed at the cross and not everybody gets healed. There's a tension there. And that's where you have to live. I have to live knowing that they all might not get healed. But I, I also know that God wants them all healed. See? So you've you got to live in that tension. And, and it's okay. I can live there. I'm okay with that. See? My job is to pray over 100 people. My job is to heal 100 people. So, so I, I don't get disturbed by the lack of outcome. We walked into a, uh, one time I've been to New York City, went to a place called Yorktown Heights, about an hour north of New York City. And uh, we go in there on Friday night. I'm gonna take, can I tell you the whole story? Can you, you guys are mature enough to handle the whole story. I walk in there, and you got right down here in the f first row, the first five places are wheelchairs. And they got five cerebral palsy kids. And they're all twisted. They got, you know, remember their brain is perfect. Their bodies are twisted. They're not, they're not, they're not retarded. They don't have a brain problem. Their brain's alive, but their bodies are twisted. And they got five of them there in the room. And I looked in and looked at that. Now, my deal was, I'm telling you the whole story. My deal was, I'm, you're going to buy my airfare for me and my wife to come up. And I don't care what they give me. But they have, they're supposed to take an offering for me every service. That, that was our deal. Take an offering for me every service, and, and I'll be satisfied with whatever it is. I'll, tr I'll trust God. You trust God, and I'll trust God. So I get up there. I look over there at those five. I'm thinking, oh, man, I better get this together. I want a, him to take the offering after I teach, but before I minister. Why? Because I'm not a dummy. If we start ministering, by the time I'm through ministering, everybody will be gone. There will be ten people left. I want him to take the offering whenever he's still there. I'm, I'm, listen, I've been doing this for a long time. I look at that group, there's $1,000 in those seats, give or take. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, you look at, you look at 200 people, and you think, well, there's probably $1,000 out there. Now, I'm broke at the house. I need the money. I'm not there for the money, but I need the money, and God supplies my needs, and he applies my needs to the ministry. Okay. I'm just trying to get it. So, anyway, I'm over here talking to this guy. I said, uh, now, you gonna, will you plan on taking the offering for me when? I said, I'd rather have you. He said, no, I'm not going to take an offering for you tonight. I'm going to let the people get used to you. I got to walk from here 
He just told me he's not going to give me what's mine per our agreement. I got to walk to that pulpit, and I better, I got to get rid of that, and I got to deal with that, because I got five kids here in this front row that need everything I got. I got about 20 or 30 seconds to deal with this before I start to teach. And you know what I do? I put it right on the cross, baby, because I got to do this. And my wife and we, we look, and you know, sometimes, it, right now, if you don't give me an offering this weekend, I'm good. But in those days, I wasn't going to be good. I mean, I need, we, we're, 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 we're glad we got the opportunity to go to New York. Okay, so I walk over there, I teach, and so I bring up, now remember, I'm not going to do the ministry. I bring up all his people. I line them up there, and I put my wife with the pastor's wife. And I got these, all the elders are up there. And they're starting to heal the sick. And I'm up there taking testimony after testimony. They're getting healed. Boom, 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 boom. And they're coming up, they're coming up, they're coming up, they're coming up, they're coming up. And I look up because I'm up here taking the testimonies and telling everybody, give your testimony. Tell them what happened. Well, I had this problem and God healed me. So we're going through. And I look over there and way in the back of the church, like over there, like through that door, my wife has got one of those kids, 14 years old, that's never walked in her life. And they're walking around the church. You got, you, got to, you got to deal with things, man. So she's got this kid. I, I get teary-eyed thinking about it. And I don't know about the other four, but here comes this one. For the first time in her life, her mom up here just bawling her eyes out. That kid walking all around that church. Come on, that's real stuff. And, and so it's real. It's real relief from oppression. You know, and that's our job, to get people out of their oppression whatever it's healing or depression or demons or whatever it is, that's our job. And we can do it if we're spirit-filled, tongue-talking, and we're not afraid of rejection. We can go do it anyway. We can go out here right now into downtown Tifton. We go over to the, one of the malls and go over to one of those supermarkets and just get everybody healed in the place. See, why? Why do you do that? Because we can. And we're supposed to. That's to say, that's my job. No, no, loud voice. That's my job. Okay, good. All right, good. What time is it? Wow, it's 11.15. Okay, we're, gonna, we're not going to quit yet. i got stuff to teach. Okay, let's go. Now, the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is not the caring for the building. It's not the social activity. Turn to John 14, 12. You know, the, 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 we, we have a problem with words sometimes because we have we got so much religious stuff in us. You know, I, I found myself doing something religiously the other day, and I said, my God, where'd that come from? And I just, you know, you get sloppy with stuff and stuff you should know better about, and you start to verbalize something that really doesn't mean anything. Let's read John 14, 12. Here's what it says. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Verse 16 says, And I pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, because remember they were anointed, and shall be in you. It's talking about, talking about in the future. There's going to be a time when you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so, so he says, The works that I do, you're going to do. And that word works means works. And the works in, in verse 12 of Ephesians 4 is works. See, see, we think 
we get caught up in the social aspect sometimes of the church because it's still important. We, we love fellowship. We have breakfast. By the way, I was teasing the pastor. We have breakfast every Sunday morning in our church. Every Sunday we have breakfast. We'd rather have breakfast than have church. Then we give testimonies because we'd rather give testimonies than have church. You understand? That, 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 that. And so we have, we have, let's say we got 20 or 25 people in there. Every Sunday morning we'll have six or five or six testimonies of people that trusted God and God showed up. I had this problem. I prayed. God showed up. This happened. Every Sunday morning. Now, we, as, as we're talking about 25% of our congregation every week has a testimony. Not the same people. It's always somebody different. Has a testimony about God showing up in their life that week. Why? Because they're all supernatural. They're believing God for everything. That they, some of them can't get along if they don't believe God. Some of them, God's, they've been, you got someone who's been tithing all his life. You know, I got one of my guys who's an airline pilot. And, 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 and God just made him a captain. He said, I got a 30% pay increase. See? Couldn't wait to tithe on it. He's been a tither and a giver all his life. He supports everything. One of those guys who was a believer. He's a believer in seed time and harvest. He believes in it. And it works for him in his life. He just, you know, his son's Down syndrome. And his son works. And they tithe on what he makes. I mean, just they're, they're, they're believers in the word. So, so they do the works. So, so he's, he, they, these guys can do anything they want to do. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. They, they understand. And they're functioning the works. The works of the ministry, the works of the ministry work for you 24 hours a day if you're in the spirit. Now, if you live a life that's natural and you go to the spirit to do something, then you're not going to have the same results as someone who lives in the supernatural all the time. See, the things you do naturally, you need to do them by faith. The difference between natural and supernatural is what do you believe in God for? So on your job, you're supposed to go there and believe in God in the morning. You go and say, Lord, I believe that this is going to be the best day I've ever had in my job. Father, I pray for my bosses. I pray for the, this. I pray for that. Father, I just believe you're going to give me a raise. That, that somehow you're going to, you know, I had to work for a guy one time. He said, well, you're at the, you're at the top of the prayer. I said, you've got to be smart enough that you can figure out a way to give me more money. That's my attitude, you know. So they did. They give me. They put me in the office and paid me. It took me from three, whatever, three about three fifty, three forty, or three fifty a week up to five hundred dollars. So he just gave me a promotion, so he could give me more money. I, I knew he could do it. See, there's. See, he found out a way to do that. So, so you start believing God in every place you go, and then it's then then it's not a transition from the natural to the supernatural. When you move over there, you're already. Over there. Amen. You live over there. I live with my wife, my wife, supernaturally. Okay? That's good. We believe, we believe for her health. In 2001, she got a staph infection. And she had a staph infection that was encapsulated about that big on the inside of her spine. And it had a cut off. They give her a laminectomy. They cut nine vertebrae, opened her up, went her back in there, and took that thing out of there. She was paralyzed when we took her in. If we'd waited one more day, she'd have died. They couldn't, they didn't realize how sick she was because it was encapsulated and she didn't have a fever. How many know when you have an infection, you always have a fever? That's how they know. She had no fever. She was up when she went to 99 or something. See? And that thing was encapsulated. And they took her in and gave her an MRI. They found out they got operated, they operated, saved her legs, saved her life. Okay. And ever since then, we've had to believe God. See, you start believing God for your health. So she believes God every day for her health. She, if she doesn't believe God for her health, she can't, she can't function. 
So she's learned how to be spiritual all the time. Because if she don't be spiritual, she don't at all. She, just, she dies. So, so it, it, it's forced on her to some degree. But she was already spiritual. That's why she's still alive. See, see, so you start to live in that supernatural. That's why she can go through the, the, the attendant and prophesy over the attendant. Because she's spiritual all the time. It's not something that comes and goes where I have to go over to a position to minister from. I'm spiritual all the time. Now, I can leave that and go be ugly. You understand? We all have the ability to leave it and go ugly. But, but, but I, have to, I have to leave God to be ugly. See? Normally, I'm believing God. Abnormally, I get ugly. I get mad. Get mad over something, right? Okay. So, 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 but I, so I learned this, by the way, in Ecuador. I'd fly in that plane, and I'd walk over there, and the atmosphere goes shrunk. But you, you, you walk off the plane, and all of a sudden, we're in the spirit. And stay there till you get back in the plane. Now, remember, I was, I'm down there three weeks a month for three years, basically. I'm in the spirit all the time. If I want to shut down, I'd have to, I'd have to read a novel or watch a video. Because you stayed, you stayed wired all the time. But, but I'm telling you what, you could do anything in the spirit because you're there all the time. Prophecy was, I mean, or you'd look at people and just go, doom, 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 doom. Because you stayed there. But then when I came home, I also learned, by the way, patience. I do this. My wife says, what are you doing? I said, I'm in patient mode. She said, I got to do this and this. I said, okay, that's okay. I'll sit right here. How long are you going to be? She said, I may, I may be 20. I said, okay, I'll, I'll sit right here. I get in patient mode. I learned that in Ecuador. Why? Because nobody shows up in time. You're waiting for people all the time because they're going to pick you up. You know, because the buses don't run, the taxis don't. Nothing runs on time. So, so you're, you're waiting there. One time I waited two hours and nobody ever showed up. So I went back to my apartment. See, so, but you get in patient mode. But I learned that. I go to the doctor's office and you get agitated if you have to wait two hours at the doctor's office. Not me. I kick into patient mode. I start, I start building lessons in my head. Start, start prophesying in my head. Start ministering. See, so I learned how to <laughs> cultivate a time of being in the spirit all the time. I can prophesy anytime, anywhere. It just, it just, it just, I don't, I'm never lost. Why? Now, I don't have words for people anymore. I only have unctions to minister. See? I just get an unction, and then I minister. I don't have the words. I don't hear this, tell this person this. I don't hear that anymore because I stay in the spirit. And I just function. I'm going to prophesy. Okay, you, stand up. Boom. So now, I am an ex example of that you shouldn't use because I'm an extreme example. Not everybody's going to do what I do. No, no, you're just not. Nobody's, you can't. You can't. You're going to live your life. You've got to work for a living. You've got to go to work. You're with, you're with non-spirit-filled people most of your working day. Listen, that's hard. But, but you cultivate an arena around you. And our people and our church have cultivated that so that they're in the spirit. When they go on the job, I got, a, I got people in the job, if they didn't pray in tongues, they couldn't do their job. See? They, they, they live by the spirit on their job. That's why they got the job. You know, people that, I got one that her boss lies about, lies about her, blames her for everything. But she said, I'm not worried. I'm covered. God's got me covered. See? So she, now what's she doing? So she's kicked in. Now she's believing for a different job. So she can get out under the oppression. She don't have to stay there. She's got to believe God. She's got to get on her face. So we believe God. My wife has, my wife has four prayer people for the list we use. One of them goes around the world. You, if you call up my wife and say, I, I got something I need prayer for, bam, goes out in the network and they start to pray. 
I mean, we got miracles happening all the time. And so, so we, we, we live a kind of that lifestyle. And you, but why, it's easier than you think if you cultivate, I'm spiritual, this is how I live. Now, you have to give up being ugly. If you like being ugly, if you like having your own way, if you like living in your own deal, this doesn't work very well. You'll, you'll, you'll stumble, you'll stumble, see. And, uh, and so, you, so you, have to, you, have to, you have to give up your own thing. But man, it's, once you do that, once you take yourself and you crucify it and put it on the altar of the cross, then you can, you can do things that you, you, it's just easy to do and you function, you flow, and it's possible for every spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian to live what I'm talking about. Yes. It's possible for every single one of you. There's not, there's not separate things for, for norm. I'm, I'm probably the most natural person in, in the sense that, you know, I'm not highly educated. I'm not, I don't have any big old theolo theological degrees. All I have is a lifetime of 30, 40 years in the spirit. And I learned most of what I know by doing. I learned it by doing. I went and did things. I said, oh, that was neat. Lord, how does that work? I did it. Now, how does that work? And so I do something. I do things, and I have to go search the scriptures. Kenneth Copeland. How many knows Kenneth? Everybody know Kenneth Copeland? Some of you know Kenneth Copeland. Okay. Kenneth Copeland, he had a piano player. His name was uh, Steve. Oh, come on, Norm. First name was Steve. I can't remember the last name. It slipped me. That's the only thing about being old. I lose those kinds of things. But anyway, Steve was there. Don't remember the incidents. Don't forget nothing about the instance. Anyway, he was, he was playing Copeland. He did all Copeland's orchestration. He did all his recordings, all that stuff. He also played for all the conferences. And uh, he's got a church in Daytona now, last I heard. Anyway, he was there. And, uh, and I met him you know, when he was with a group called Alpenglobe umpteen years ago. And then I met him again in 82. Now it's 84. He's coming to Miami. Copeland's going to have the only convention he ever did in Miami. He never came back. So he would never come back again because of the way he was treated. But he was there, and, uh, and uh, so the guy's coming to town. He calls me up, wants to come preach in my church. So he, he comes in, and he's there Saturday. He's looking around Saturday. He's coming back Sunday morning to teach. And he sees the piano. He says, let me try out your piano, because my wife's coming with me. She's going to sing, and blah, blah, blah. And his, his wife, Cheryl's one of the backup singers for Copeland. And so he starts to play. He says, oh, it's not too, tone's not too bad, you know. Da, da, da. And, and he starts to play something, just chording, you know. I said, I said, Steve. I can prophesy that. This big revelation, man. So I, he said, well, go ahead, and I prophesy. Boom, 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 boom. He jumps up all excited. He runs over to his briefcase. It's 1984. Now you wouldn't think anything about it. He opens up things. He says, look here. I got this. In 82, I got this prophecy from Copeland. said, one day, people would start to prophesy from my music. And I was the first one in my little church. We were so poor, we had automobile speakers behind the beam because we couldn't afford real speakers. I've been poor in the ministry. I told God, I'm willing to be in the ministry, but I'm not, gonna, not willing to be poor. I'm not doing that anymore. We did that. Okay. I've been poor a lot of times. Though, so. never, never been broke. I've, no, I'm sorry. I've been broke, but never been poor. Okay, so anyway, I take that. I said, wow, look at that. So then we go to the scriptures, and we find out where the prophets said, they said, we want you to prophesy. He says, send the minstrels. Well, I didn't know that was in there. See, so we did something. And then we go find out why we could do it in the scriptures. I've never found anything I've ever done that's not in the scriptures. It's always in there. We've done some wild, wild things. Wild, wild things that you go do. You want to hear a wild thing? You hear a wild thing? I'm in, some of you heard this there. Um, 
I'm in a, I'm in a meeting. We, we started on Monday. We're in a non-spirit-filled church, basically. Uh, there's spirit-filled people there. Uh, but that's the, but there's non-spirit-filled church. But the pastor invites me in. I meet him in 2005. I meet him again in 2008. He said, Norm, we, we spent two hours talking about a philosophy of ministry. Him and his elders. They said, we're not ready for you yet. 2009, I call the son. The son's a prophet, by the way. I call him. They're not ready. In 2010, they call me. And they bring me into, a, not to that church, but outside the church to an outside thing with 300 youth. And we get them all filled with the Holy Ghost and teach them how to prophesy. Then now it's November of 2011, first time I'm in the church, I come in to do a healing thing from Monday through Saturday. And we're going through this thing, and I'm telling you, the, the anointing was tremendous. We see, we see 450, 500 people get healed that week, all kind of wild stuff. But anyway, Wednesday night, the, the, the lady comes up, my wife, because she speaks Spanish, she's taking all the testimonies, because it's just easier without a translator. And she's taking all those, and she's telling them, and I'm watching everything that's going on, and they bring a lady to me on the platform, she says, through a translator. I was blind in this eye. They prayed for me and said, I can see the translator. But she said, when I look off, it's fuzzy. I said, look at me. She looked at me and went, hey! I said, read the clock in the back of the room. And she turned around and she read the clock. Now, you can't find that in Scripture. Okay? I can't even tell you why I did that. All I can tell you is that I'm in the flow. I'm in the anointing. I'm in the flow. I'm in the anointing, and I just did it. I didn't hear from God. I didn't think of this idea. I just did it. I was, I was as shocked as everybody was shocked. It instantly, her eye was fully healed, and she could see. So those are the kind of things you run into. But it comes under the heading of signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. That's all, just signs and wonders. You know how come it happened? Because I was doing. Say, Norm was doing. See, see, I was doing. That's why the things happen. You hear these people come with all these great testimonies? It's just people doing. That's all it is. It's not, not doing things special. It's only special to people who don't understand God. But if you understand God, it's not special to get people healed. AIDS, nothing too hard. Cancer, it doesn't matter to God. He can heal it all and does. See? So, you have, so you, have this, you have this process by which you start to do what you know how to do, and God functions in you and brings you into a place of supernatural understanding, supernatural lifestyle. I'm going to finish up with this, I guess. Okay. The works. Spiritual activity that through faith release shows forth the glory of God. This is the works. Remember John 14, 14, 14, 12. The works that I did you're going to do and greater works you're going to do. We're going to do some things that God didn't do. Okay. Wow. You mean we're going to do things Jesus didn't even do? Well, that's what he said. Do you believe him? See, see you have to believe him. Once you, once you decide the, this is the truth and you receive the truth, okay, what would what, you say? We buy the truth and sell it not. This is the truth. I can trust this more than anything else in the world. I don't have, I don't have anything above the word. So I trust the word. He said, I'm going to do greater things. Then my expectation then has to be that if I'll function when I do something, if I'll function in whatever he gives me to do and I do it with faith, then the glory of God will be seen. And that's what this is all about. That his glory can be seen in the earth. If you don't do anything, now let me tell you what's sad. A person as a Christian for 50 years and never operate in the glory of God. What a sadness that is. I can't hardly stand it. 
I mean, you talk about weeping. Weeping before the Lord, these people. Man, they just don't want to do anything. But if a person wants to do, then this, is the, this, is, this thing works all the time. And it works for whomsoever. That's the best part. You don't have to be special for this to work. All you got to do is say, I want to do this. Go get trained. Find someone that's doing it. Go hang out with them. Learn how to do it. You know, they say it was in that church. Those, uh, that pastor and his elders never prayed for anybody for 10 years. And in 30, 10 minutes after I finished preaching, we lined them up there. I said, okay, I'm going to pray. I'd, I'd line them up in like 10 or 12 of them, right? I'd go down and say, you're a leader, you're a leader, you're a leader, you're a leader. Every team had a leader. I'm going to pray. He's going to pray. And you're going to pray. Got it? And people are going to get healed. Boom. People start getting healed. It, it, listen, it is so easy, it's embarrassing. Because I started to think about all those years I didn't do that. And you know what the Lord told me? He said, don't go there. Go forward. Don't go back. Don't, don't get caught up in that. You, can, you won't be able to stand the horror of it. See? See? But, but listen, I didn't start my miracle ministry until I was 66. Is anybody here older than 66? How old are you, Tim? Okay. Who else? You're older than 66? Oh, wow. How about you, man? 70? See, you're all younger than me. You got plenty of time for miracle ministry. See, this, this is the best part about this. It, 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 you can start right now, and you can get lots of people healed. I'm going to tell you this. The ones you get healed will be glad if there's only one. The one's going to be, he's going to be ecstatic. I was, we, we, they were telling the story about the, you're telling the story about the guy with the hand, right? I was in, I went to, I went to this church to do a teaching there. I'd already been there many times, but I was there doing the teaching. I got mad at the pastor, by the way, young guy. Because I was there, and I said, how many people are filled with the Holy Ghost? And two-thirds of his church wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. I turned to that pastor and said, I said, you know better than that. What's going on here? And his wife says, I told you. All <laughs> yeah. oh, these people not filled with the Holy Ghost. you got to have these people filled with the Holy Ghost. First thing you do, get them filled with the Holy Ghost. So anyway, I said, okay. And he had a guy come up, and he had, his, he had uh, psoriasis. So I started to tell a story. Never told. He had psoriasis that was so bad, he had mesh gloves. I, don't, I never saw this before. He had mesh gloves on because his hands were totally raw. He had these mesh gloves on. I looked at him. I said, listen, you come every night, and every night we're going to pray for you. Got it? He said, yep, I'll be here every night. We started praying for him. And by, by the Friday, he came up and said, look, the gloves were off. He still got psoriasis, but his gloves are off. See, see you know, conditions are really hard for some reason in the spirit. I don't know if you can see them or what, but conditions are hard. So, you, you know, you just got to press and press. So it's come every night. It takes a different kind of prayer. Remember, Jesus said this kind takes a different kind of prayer. The, the, the conditions are harder than broken bones. or ca Cancer is not a condition. Ca cancer is a disease. But you get a condition, they're hard. They're hard. And I don't, I don't know why. They just are. And, but, but if you'll stay with it, uh, people in wheelchairs, I found out that I, when I put a team with them and they start praying in tongues over them, all the while we did everything else. So I got a team praying over them in tongues, just praying over them in tongues. And then we'd activate them and try to get them up out of that wheelchair. We didn't just walk up cold and do it. We, there had to be, there had, it didn't work that, it never worked that way. Until we started doing this, we started getting some success. See? Some people, uh, Randy, who, Randy Clark, anybody know Randy Clark? He's a worldwide minister for evangelism and for healing. He got the guy and he says, I suppose, I suppose you had 100 guys pray for me. He says, try 1,500. 1,500 people prayed for this guy. Legs were paralyzed. He, started, he said, can I pray? He said, sure, go ahead. So after the first hour, I think he got one toe to move. An hour. Kept praying. Kept, by the end of the two hours, the guy was walking. 
See, it takes a different kind of prayer. It takes a different kind of anointing. It takes a different kind. So you have to have a different understanding mindset for certain things. Wheelchairs are hard. That's why when I looked up and saw that kid walking, I said, man, we got something going on here today. You get a corporate anointing. And a corporate anointing was everybody believe in God. People started to get healed all over. The faith level come up, and that girl got out of that wheelchair. So, okay, let's finish up then. That's enough for today. I want to do one more thing before we go. I think that's it. Let's see. Edify and build up the body, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Okay, we can go, we can go over that. No, no, go there. Just stuff. All right. This morning, who is not filled with the Holy Ghost and speaks in tongues? Raise your hand. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't speak in tongues. Wow, this is wonderful. Good. <laughs> Very good. You're right. That's wonderful. Good. Because, because we're going to do it tonight and tomorrow morning too. God be filled with the Holy Ghost. There's a life in the Spirit that produces the glory of God. Okay? So does that give you a different understanding of the fivefold ministry? I want you to see how the functions, the functions work. The equipping and how, what, our, what our basic job is. Now, I'm not differentiating between the apostle and so forth. Listen, the apostle makes you apostolic. What does that mean? That means you have a sending mentality. I'm, I am required by God to go, maybe just to my next door neighbor, but I'm required to go. Matthew 28, 18. All power in heaven has been given me. Go you therefore. So there's a, a go requirement that's apostolic. Pastoral anointings, by the way, never send anybody. They always gather. And it, and it stops the body. We've had so many pastoral anointing, so many people in the pastoral anointing that the work's never been really completed. And we're, we're fighting against that. And I'm surprised. You know what? I got a question for God when I get to heaven, if it's important when I get there. And that's that when he, when he started the body of Christ on the day of Pentecost, the apostles started and everything else came after that. When he started to restore things back to the party, he, back to the body of Christ, Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, he started with the evangelist, then the pastor, then the teacher, then the prophet, and then the apostle last. Now I'm thinking, why didn't you start with the apostles again? I have no idea. I don't know why. But I do know that though all five have been restored, and in the 2000, 2000, 2010 was the release of the saints for the work of the ministry, which is, which is a tremendous change in mindset. See, you already have that here. I'm not, I'm not, I, don't have to I don't have to break that. That's the mindset here. But we're just now just talking about avenues to get that started. That's all we're talking about. You already got that broken. But you know, many churches I go into, the pastor, his, he thinks he's supposed to gather people up and keep them in a, keep them in a corral, protect them, see, instead of making them giants so they can go out and just and rule, over the land, or, or rule over the earth. And he doesn't have that mentality. So, so the, thank goodness that now we have the mindset we can send people. Not, not, mean, not everybody's supposed to go to China. Did you know that? See? You don't have to go to China. You have to go where you're sent. But if you go where you're sent, every time you go where you're sent, do you know that that's where the anointing is for your life? That's where the, that's where the, you know, I'm disappointed those young people didn't come in here. Where'd they go? I don't know, all the young people that haven't eaten out there this morning. No, not the children, the young people. There was, there was about five or six or eight of them there. Huh? Okay. Okay. Ah, they're workers. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I know I saw them there. I'm thinking, man, all these young people are here. Okay. Are you getting anything back there, young man? 
Okay, got it. Okay, he's got it. Okay, good. Okay, well, that, then that's all I have for this morning. Well, you all filled with the Holy Ghost? That was the ministry. We were already ready for that. Tonight, we're going to talk on the, uh, on the, uh, the other two sets of gifts, uh, 1 Corinthians 7 to 11. Not, I'm not going to teach on the gifts. I'm going to teach about the gifts. And then Romans 12, uh, what is it, 4 through 6, whatever. I'm going to teach about them. I'm not going to teach them. I'm going to teach about them. So, so tie it together for, so you can identify your giftings. Um, how much time is it? We got, it's a quarter to 20 to 12. Can I have till noon? Are you guys good till noon? Huh? Okay, good. Okay, good. All right. So we'll do some prophetic ministry then. Young lady, young lady right there in the middle. Raise your hand. Nope. The one in front of you. Yeah, you. Raise your hand. Okay, you stand up. I heard the Lord say this, that in this next season, you're going to have to confront um, cultural issues. And the Lord said, I'm going to take you out of your culture into a kingdom culture. And the Lord said, it's going to change you so much that it's going to, it's going to rub, rub some of the people around you raw. And, and the Lord said, don't be afraid to go and change your culture. The Lord says, come live in the kingdom with me and watch what I make of you. The Lord says, in your culture, I can make of you nothing. In my culture, I can make you everything you're supposed to be. And the Lord says, you must exchange one culture for another to come over and to be in the kingdom. Now, you don't have to come, come to a white culture. Not what I said. You got to come to a kingdom culture. And the Lord said, if you're willing to do that, every place you go, you'll take my glory. And every culture will see it. Okay? You get that? Good. Okay, good. Casey, stand up. I heard the Lord say this. You put a limitation on yourself for, I don't know why, but I just heard, I just heard the Lord said you've had a limitation in terms of what you can do. I mean, maybe you don't see, I don't, maybe, I'm not sure what you see and don't see, but maybe you don't see yourself teaching or leading groups of people and so forth. The Lord says, I'm going to change your mindset. I'm going to expand your thinking so that you'll embrace possibilities about all kinds of things. And the Lord said, the only way you'll find out which possibility is good for you is you go do them. The Lord says, failure is good because it tells you what you're not supposed to do. And that's just as important as knowing what you are supposed to do. The Lord says, there's no, there's, no, there's no problem with me with failure as long as you're going in faith. And the Lord says, some things you'll try to do, they will not work. And the Lord says, don't do them anymore. But the Lord says, you'll find, you'll find an expansion of your own abilities in, as you change your mindset about what those things are. The Lord says, don't look to your education in spiritual things. Don't look there. Just look at the possibilities from my word. The Lord says, everything my word says about you is truth. And you can walk in every one of those things we're talking about this morning. You can walk in the spirit, in the gifts that God's given you and become what you're supposed to be. But it's also, there's a leadership ability in you that's not totally being used. The Lord said this next season, this year, 2016, that's going to be released in you. I just see you taking groups of people overseas. I see you taking groups of people to Atlanta. I see you taking, just taking, you got this massive team of people that want to go and do, and you're going to take them and go and do. And it's going to, it's going to change uh, how you think first in order to change what you do. But the Lord says, if you're willing to change your thinking, 
if you're willing to say, Lord, whatever you want is what I want. The Lord says, that will, that will allow me to open up doors for you. And every door I open, the, the door of obedience, the Lord says, about this big. But beyond that, there's a room of opportunity. And the Lord says, just be obedient to do what you're instructed to do. The Lord's going to give you a job. Just go do it. Don't worry about, am I capable or not? The Lord says, yeah, of course you're not capable. That's why you need me. See, there's a, there's a mindset to needing the Lord. I can't do this. You're right. What a wonderful place to start. Lord, you're going to have to make this happen. Right? When I came in this morning, I had no idea what I'm going to teach. I got no idea what I'm going to teach. So, I mean, I don't know where we're going with it. Why? I'm not worried about that. Why? Because he's going to take me wherever he wants me, and I know how to follow him. See, that's my, my key for my teaching. So, so that's going to happen to you. And I just see you with teams of people out in the streets doing all kinds of stuff. And you're going to see signs and wonders every place you go. Healings and miracles every place you go. And it's going to be, a, it's going to be a, such a joy for you to be in that, released in that, that you're going to have an understanding of how to teach. And out of that experience, you're going to start teaching groups of people. Come on, come with me. You'll say to them, I remember this old prophet guy. Come with me for six months. It'll change your life forever. You can't, you can't live with me for six months without being totally changed. And you're going to say the same thing. Just come with me. Young man, come with me. Come spend six months with me. Hang out, hang out, and go have coffee with him. Talk about what ministry looks like, how it works. And, but you have to have experience to do that. The Lord says, start doing. I'll teach you how to do it, and you'll do it with success, and then you'll teach others how to do it. And that's what it's going to be. It's going to be big time. Big time ministry and healing and, and, and uh, miracles and stuff. Big time. Get ready for that. Langston, I heard the Lord say this. You know, I've been, he mentioned something last night. He kind of was sticking you last night at some point, or this morning or sometime. I've been praying about you all week. And the Lord says, this is your prophetic season. And the Lord says, don't let it get away this time. Take every objection and throw it away and just do it this year. I'm, I'm, this is, this is, no, I've been praying for a week. So I'm, I'm telling you what I've heard from God. Throw away every objection every hindrance, everything that would hinder you, and don't worry, literally, literally, don't worry about Lawrence, don't worry about Casey, don't worry, worry about Bill. This year, concentrate, the Lord says, concentrate on you and your gifting that it can be expanded because the prophetic ministry in this church is going to come through you or it's not going to come. Okay? Take your wife with you. She knows it too. She's heard it. Isn't that right, Ines? It's time. It's time. This is going to be a crucial year for this church. A crucial year for this church. And you, you, the big part of it is really having that meeting. See, I would, this is, this is, this is, say this is Norm's opinion. Say it's Norm's opinion. I want you to hear this. It's Norm's opinion. Norm's opinion. Okay. I'd start a Friday night meeting, a power meeting, and I'd have every bit of the leadership here ministering for six months to the city of this, of this city and bring people in and just pray for them and pray for them and pray for them and heal them and heal them and heal them and teach power, 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 power. All the leadership here every Friday night. Give up your Friday nights for six months. It's only 26 nights. And watch, watch the change in the atmosphere. Teach, teach prophetic ministry. Teach healing ministry. Use my manuals. I got a manual for both of them. Teach it six, eight, ten weeks. Everybody will be prophetic. Everybody will be healed sick. Get the teaching them and be consistent. Consistent. Every Friday night? Yeah, every Friday night. 
because that's how I learned. And I, I, let me say this to you. You remember I told you about, we had a, I had this prophet meeting, right? Remember I told you I went to the prophet meeting? Remember I went to see Bill, Bill, uh, Bill Hammond in 1985 on a Wednesday night. I'm there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I go home on Saturday. Got to preach on Sunday. The next week I meet Randy Leshner. I'm telling Randy, listen, we did this activation thing. He said, Norm, I, Bill Hammond is my spiritual father. I teach the school of the spirit. Ha, September, here he is. Why? Because it was the first week I had open. And he comes in September. He was there for a week. And two and a half weeks later, it was over. Now remember, ministers only come for a week at a time or two weeks at a time. I'm talking about all over the whole country. You know what I did? I changed it. I'm sure other people had this revelation. Okay, I'm just telling you what I did. I said, Randy, I went with him on a trip to um, Oregon in 2000 and, uh, in November that year. I said, you got to come and stay. So on January two, 1986, every Friday night, I had a man fly from Miami to Winter Haven, pick up Randy and bring him down. He landed at the airport. They drove over. They got to my church at a quarter after eight. We ministered till two or three o'clock in the morning for 16 weeks. At week 13, I said, Lord, I wouldn't do this if it wasn't your will. He said, since when are you unhappy doing my will? I shut my mouth. We have a rule in my church. We have three rules. Run the whole church with three rules. Number one, every gets to choose. You don't want to come, stay home. Don't matter to me. I mean, I just, we, just, we, just, we're not, we don't fight that fight. Every gets to choose. Number two rule, if you tell me you're going to do something, I expect you to do it. That's fair? That's fair, right? You want new rule number three is? Just because it's hard doesn't mean we don't do it. Every Friday night for six months. What would happen every Friday night for six months? Not everybody's going to come, but those that are come are going to be prepared to do what we're talking about doing. They're not trained. They won't do. Then you got to, then you got to, once you get them trained, you know what you got to do? You got to find stuff for them. So now you got to take them out a couple of series a month out in the streets and let them prophesy over people and heal people because they got to have a place. See, now Casey lines up his ministry. Now he's got his ministry. Start taking I'm just telling you, see, you got to do or nothing happens. You can teach to your blue. Nothing happens. You got to do. And, and we just, we just say, just because it's hard, we're not going to do it. I learned that in a hard school. And we've done lots of hard things. And every time I've done it, I've been happy for the outcome. You said, Norm, you had to suck up a lot yourself. Yeah. But man, the glory of God doesn't come easy. He's easy, but it doesn't come easy. Somewhere along the line, someone's got to die. There's a scripture that said, and I can't remember, I think it's, um, oh God, I'd have to look it up, but it's, it's uh, I think it's verse 11 and 12 in 1 Corinthians someplace in there. I can't remember what it's at, it's in there. But it says this, it says, it says if, if, the, if the, it's the dying of yourself <laughs> that produces life in others. If you're not willing to die yourself, you can't produce life in somebody else. It's the dying that produces the, 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 the fruit. See, what does the scripture say? Unless the seed falls into the ground and dies, there'll be no, there'll be no, there'll be no growth. See, so we say, well, that applies to Jesus. No, no, that applies to everybody. See, you've you got to be willing to die yourself to produce fruit. So that means I got I mean, I to come every Saturday night, every Friday night for six months? Yeah, let's try that and see if that'll work. See, that's, that's you got to grab this thing and say, we're going to do this thing, and if we only got five, these five are going to be taught how to do this stuff. I got a shirt that says, doing the stuff with people. 
Oh, in Ecuador, they, they bring me a shirt. It says, on one side it says, Fossi, Fossi, Fossi. The other side it says, doing the stuff. I had, a, I had a group of people come to me and they said to Sonia, my translator, Sonia, doesn't Norm teach anything deep? I said, Sonia, are they doing the stuff? She said, well, no. I said, then why are we listening to them? If they're not healing the sick and raising the dead and, and casting out devils and prophesying at the drop of a hat, why would, we, why would we care what they think? In all fairness, in my natural self, it did sting me a little. I got over in about a day or two. I know what I'm called to do. I'm doing what I'm called to do. I'm teaching healing 14 days in a row in the same church. Thousands of people got healed over those two years. Hey, come on, do what you do. Anyway, the lady in the purple, what's your name? Yeah, you. No, the other one, behind you first. Huh? Stand up, Pam. I saw you, this is not an accusation, but I just saw you thinking, wow, this is really good for all these other people. And the Lord says, no, it's good for you. And the Lord says, I'm calling you out to tell you, you can do this stuff. And the Lord says, I want you to do this stuff. And the Lord says, you're going to find out. I just remember Joe Alejandro. I'm going to tell you about Joe Alejandro. You're going to find out you're good at this stuff. This is the beauty of it. And the Lord says, you get ready. You're going to do this stuff. And you're going to find yourself in a whole different world, in a realm. Uh, there's going to be a different self-worth thing that's going to go on in you, you know, you look in too many mirrors and you judge the kind of person you are. And the Lord said, what a waste of time that is. Look in my word to find out who you really are. And the Lord said, this is a season for you to come into your own. Okay? It's going to, I can't tell you everything. I, I, I'm going to tell you something in private. You ask me later. Ask me. You said, no, what do you got to tell me in private? I got something else to tell you in private. Okay. Joe Alejandro, my, his wife says, let's go to Norm's school. He says, no, that's that old prophetic stuff. I ain't going to get involved in that. I said, that old junk stuff. I don't even believe in that stuff. He's uh, Puerto Rican. And uh, very proper, very, very sharp guy. Made a lot of money. I mean, he was a, had a really good job, making about $75,000, $80,000 a year. And he was, you know, he didn't do that stuff. Anyway, he uh, went and took a shower. And the Lord says, you've signed up to take your master's program. And I didn't tell you to do that. Now I'm telling you to go to Norm's school. So he came kicking and screaming. You know what he found out? He was one of the most prophetic people in the school. He'd have missed that whole part of his, of his life if he hadn't gone to the school. He's an excellent teacher. He can teach. He, he became a mainstay in my church. He became one of the elders. When I started my church in, 2000 and, in uh, 2002, he was one of the founding members with me. He's, 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 run, he's got a big job up in a big church up in, uh, there's a guy named Ron Phillips that has a church in Chattanooga. He's on TV once. I don't know if you see him here, but he's on church. Sometimes we see him in Miami. But he's up there working up there in that, in that big church. And he, he helps in the Spanish ministry up there, him and his wife. You know, I'm just stopping. You know, he, he, he found out who he was when he went to the school. Didn't know who he was. He was content. He believed in God. And he loved God and, you know, paid his tithes and offerings. And he went. And, and all of a sudden he found out there's a spiritual side to him. He never would have known he hadn't gone to school. He could hear the voice of God. God told him to go. So you know what he did? He obeyed God, not knowing where it was going to lead. Change your life forever. You guys are a couple, right? What's your first name again? Okay, stand up. Kevin, I heard the Lord say, um, well, first off, let me say this. I've been coming here for a long time. And in my comings here, 
uh, out with Hank House at Oasis. You all know about Hank. I'm not having to pretend we don't know Hank House. He's one of my best friends in all the world. Been next door with me a half dozen times, one half dozen times by himself. Miracle Ministries galore, okay? But, but in all my time coming here, there's been opportunities for different people to gather up the young people. And they've never been gathered up. I'm just telling you. For a while, there was a group over here in some Baptist church, a bunch of them were meeting, remember that, back to there? Then they were with Hank for a season. That didn't hold, okay? They were with this group over here. They were with that group over there, okay? And God's looking for a catalyst that has a true word with a vision for these people to be in ministry first. Not the music first, not the playtime first, but ministry first, doing the work. And the Lord says, if you put a plan together to put them in ministry, in six months you'll have 20 guys that can go out, 20 guys and gals that'll go out with you any place you want to go. They'll be well equipped. And the Lord says, you need to get ready. You need to devise a, a plan for you to lead. And the Lord says, you devise the plan and perfect yourself to lead. Be here every Friday night, right? Bring the kids every Friday night. The Lord says, I'll, you'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you the youth of Tifton. They've been waiting for five years for someone to lead them and guide them and take them into another realm. They're looking. They're, they're drifting around. I've met, I met, I met 20 or 30 of them, you know, been instrumental in some of their lives through prophetic words. Not, but they're out there drifting, and they need, a, they, need a, they need a mother and a father type mentality. Come on, stay with me for six months. I'll change your life forever. That mentality. But you, you get trained, train them, and the Lord says, watch what I do. And the Lord says, many, many youth pastors are looked at as a stepping stone to being a pastor. The Lord says, I'm going to give you a, a ministry that may be bigger than the ministry here. The Lord says, stay in your position and make it really, really work the way it's supposed to work. And the Lord says, watch what happens. He said, in two years, you'll start sending teams to the other churches in this area. I mean, the other cities, to churches in the other, in the other cities around this area. Sylvester and Fitzgerald and even Albany. See, there's people in Albany think they've already know everything, and they don't know everything. I'm not, I'm not accusing anybody. I'm just saying, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna be, if you're well equipped, you can go anywhere, and you can bring life to people. And the Lord said, this is gonna be your season. Okay, you receive that? Do you believe that? What about your wife? Do you believe that too? You ready for that? It's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost you. It's all right. Good. That's the way my wife and I feel, by the way. We don't care what the cost is. We'll pay the cost. It's been worth it every bit of it. It's been a lot sometimes. What's your first name? Deanna. I was talking about you a while ago. Stand up, Deanna. Stand up. The Lord says, the disappointments of the last three years are over if you want them to be over. The Lord says you can live in them if you want to, but you don't have to live them anymore. You can step to the front of your life and start a new life in me, says God. And the Lord says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never cause you to disappoint. You'll never be disappointed in me, says God. I'll do every single thing I said I'll do for you. And the Lord says, get ready for the change. I'm changing your life. And the Lord says, as you follow after me, as you seek the kingdom, the Lord says, I'll start adding things to you. I'll add them to you. I'll give you everything you need, everything that you need for, the, for your natural life. But the Lord says, you learn to live in the spirit first and follow after me. 
And it said the, the glory of God will be seen all over you. Your prophetic ministry will come to the forefront. You'll stand on this platform at some point in the future and prophesy over the congregation. And the Lord says, this is the season I'm calling you out for your ministry and for your call. Okay? Is that all right? Okay, good. Hallelujah. Yeah. This is easy as falling off a log. Okay, now, uh, you, uh, you're, you're in purple too, so you and your husband stand. You, help, you, you married? You two married? Okay, stand up together. Uh, you look married, but I'm, I, I, I learned my lesson in hard school. <laughs> okay, that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm in my second marriage, but I've been married for 30 years to my wife. Oh, that 30. be 20, 29 in February, I think. 29 February. The, uh, I, I couldn't operate without my wife. So that's, that's, that's your best part of me, yeah. I heard the Lord say this. Uh, don't think you're through. Be the biggest mistake you ever made. You, don't quit before your time, says the Lord. Don't settle down and say, well, that's for the other people. The Lord says, you can crank up anything. And even if you only have it for two or three years, the Lord says, the glory of God, it's, it, it's, it's going to be how you'll finish. It's not how you started. It's not even wasted years when you didn't operate in the glory. You guys have been wonderful people all your life. So I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about seeing the glory of God. And you guys are going to have a healing ministry. I saw you guys just like going into hospitals. And, and every time you hear someone sick, come on, sweetie. Let's, let's jump in the car. Let's go over and pray for them. And, and I just saw you. All of a sudden, every place you go, you leave healed bodies behind and healed minds and healed souls. Because you, you, when you start to learn, learn not to be prophetic as well as the healing ministry, you can project things. And the Lord said, it's not, it's, it's, not for, it's not for young people. It's for every single person. You know what I'm most thankful about my whole life? That at 66, I went into my miracle ministry. I'm so thankful that I had a chance to have that. I already had a strong prophetic ministry, but it wasn't, it wasn't everything God wanted. And I switched over, and it was a wonderful thing. Anyway, you guys get ready for that. Okay. Don't, don't cut yourself any slack because you're old. Don't cut yourself any slack because it's hard. Now, you can only do what you can do, but, don't, but do whatever you can do. Don't, don't stop short because you, you don't think you're, you, you're qualified. The Lord says, if you love me, you're qualified. Okay? The two of you have got lots of spiritual ministry ahead of you. Stuff that you've always wondered about. The Lord says it'll become so real to you, you'll be able to take people with you and give them on-the-job training. It's, it's going to be a wonderful season for you if you push into this arena. Okay? Good? Good. The, uh, my wife and I did so many things together that were just, just the glory of God. I'll tell you one story now quick. We went to this church. I went there a lot of times. The first time I went there, we were supposed to be there at 6, but they told us 7. We were coming from out of town. We drove up. I got there. I changed my shirt in the street because it was wet and I'm going to come out of the other church, so I put a new shirt on. And the pastor was with me, Juan Jose Flor. He says, do you always do that in the street? I said, only in Guayaquil. You know, we put on a new shirt, and I go inside, and, and we go up. They take us back to the pastor's office, and I hear the, the, they start to play music. And I said, I got to go. And I jump up, and I run out there because the music was so prophetic. I probably, I would be more laid back now. But in those days, I was young. I was only in my early 60s. So I ran, I ran out there, and I, and I got up there, and, and I'm ready to dance before the Lord and charge in the praise. And they were playing the offering song. They had already had their praise and worship. 
I was so disappointed. So I, I went there and I preached and so forth and ministered and something. I said, can I come back next week? So next week I was there at 6. And we got up there. Now remember, it's a non-spirit-filled church. But they were so spiritual. I mean, they didn't speak in tongues. They didn't do miracles. They didn't prophesy. But they were spiritual people. They were just lovely people. Johnny Rodriguez. I love this job, Pastor Johnny. And they had a guy named Elias. He was the, 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 the worship leader. So they did their praise and worship. And I come up on the platform at the end of it. I said, we're going to do something here. I said to the girl on the keyboard, I said, Solange, give me a, because I learned everybody, I learned all the key people, right? Solange, just give me, give me a, a D chord, a D minus chord. She starts to play D minus chord. I go to the drummer, I said, give me a beat. I told the guy who was on the bongos, I said, get back on your bass guitar. And I tell the guy that's leading the worship, I said, my wife's going to sing. And when she's through singing the song of the Lord, I want you to sing the song of the Lord. Now, he's never done this before. It's not a spiritual church. Then I said to Albita, who's now, her and her husband are my pastors, and one of my pastors of my church is down there. Okay. I said, Albita, when, when he's done, I want you to sing the song of the Lord. I got, my, I got her husband, Armando, he's, on the, he's, he's playing that bass guitar singer. So they start going. My wife says, Digno, which is worthy. Digno, and she starts to sing the song of the Lord. You know, he went, whoop. She got done. I point to this guy, and he starts to sing the song of the Lord. I point to her. When he finishes, she starts to sing the song of the Lord. Then my wife starts to sing the song of the Lord, and he starts to sing. Now all three of them are singing, and 250 people in a non-spirit-filled church stood to their feet and went, just like that. Wild stuff. Where'd that come from? I have no idea. I don't know anything about music. I can't sing. <laughs> but we're moving in the Spirit. When you get over in the Spirit, all kinds of things happen. See, see, if, if you don't move in the Spirit, you'll never find out possibilities. Oh, was there a few years later? His wife, I got to prophesy with her. I prophesied with her one time. We did some things. Wow. And six weeks later, she was dead. She died of cancer like that. Boom. Gone. A year later, I go to Johnny's church. I walk in that place. I said, my God, what's going on here? Now, I am not sensitive to the spirit like some people are. But I could tell that. I said, man, I got in there, got up in that pulpit. I said, right now, I break the spirit of grief over this. They're still grieving. A year later, they're all grieving for the wife. I said, Pastor Johnny, the Lord says, go out and find a new wife. Oh, you got to be bold. You got to be bold. And I broke that spirit of grief off that thing. And you know what he did? He went out and found him a new wife. He said, I said, oh, okay. He went out, went down the street and found him another one. And as far as I'm concerned, she looked just like the old one. He met her. He met her. He looked at her. She looked at him. Bam, that's the one. And he married her. I mean, you know, but you know what I'm saying? They're grieving a year later. The whole church is in mourning. You can't have, how are you supposed to have any joy in that kind of thing? That's, that was, I just broke that spirit off that thing. I told him, get up here, get off your duff and go get a, go get a, go get a new wife. That's bold, isn't it? But a year's long enough. Six months, I might have given him a little grace. But a year, come on. <laughs> By the way, you want to hear this is you get this for free. This is a funny story about counseling. Prophets don't counsel well. I had a couple that come to me. I'd known them and I trained them. I trained them in the prophetic school and different things over a long period of time. I'd known for two or three years. They're having trouble in their marriage. They come to me and they want counseling. Got a group of people there now. I walk over to them. I said, you, you people want to know what God wants you to do? Of course, everybody says yes because they're afraid to say no. 
I said, I said, Ruth, go home and kick your mother out of the house. The mother's interfering in the marriage. She's just tearing, tearing the whole place apart. You, zip up your zipper and keep it zipped. That's how you counsel. That's how prophets counsel. And you know what they did? They did that. And now they've had a church for two years in Guayaquil. Listen, listen, you got, you got to cut through the chase prophetically. Now listen, you, you have, that was, some of that was prophetic. That was the prophet anointing and some of that stuff. You know, you're not all supposed to do that with, your, with, a, with a gift of suspicion, okay? But I'm just, I just spoke, I just spoke, I spoke life to them. There wasn't a gift of suspicion. People, you know. Uh, but, but see, I knew, they came to me and they told me what the problem was. See? I just I addressed in front of all the people. And both of them, they went and did that. Six months later, they're in ministry. They still got their church going. Hank's been there. Hank's gone there. You know, I'm telling you, this. you said, Norm, that was too rough. No, it's not rough. It was truth. Truth's not rough. They knew it was wrong. They knew that they know the stuff is wrong. But now, I have an anointing as a prophet to do that. That's not, that's not, that's not gift spirit. That's, that's office stuff, you know. And the prophet can do things in the spirit that some other people can't do. Anyway, that's all I have for this morning. And we'll see you tonight. We'll finish up tonight. Can I leave everything right here? Is this good? Okay, good.